Praise the Lord today, and this is Pastor Adams, President and Founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you once again for listening to this Truth Matters podcast, and we're just so delighted to be hosts and attendants of this very vital ministry of contending for the faith that has once and for all been delivered unto the saints. And no matter where uh, we may have found you today, maybe you are in your home during these pandemic times, maybe we've reached you in your automobile or just even during your leisure time no matter where we found you we're just so thankful that you've given us time and space to be able to share truths around the word of god and uh, we just want to also let you know that if you'd like to visit our website you can visit truthmattersmost.org and if you have comments or if you have prayer requests or if anything that you need from this ministry you can go to our our, our, our email, which is truthmatters at truthmattersmost.org. And you can email us with your questions, your prayer requests, and your concerns. And before we get into our teaching today, we want to just pause and go before our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you once again for life, Lord. We thank you for our down-sitting. We thank you for our uprising. We thank you, Lord, that you've allowed us to be in the land of the living. We thank you, Lord, for allowing our children, our loved ones to be safe. There's so much murder. There's so much hatred in the land. There's so much uncertainty, Lord, that confronts us every minute. But Lord, our eyes are upon you. To whom else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have power. You have dominion. And you have authority, Lord God, to secure your people. We thank you, Lord, for everyone, Lord, who are going through time tough trials and temptations and tests today. Lord, you cover them with your blood. Hide them behind the cross. Lord, you undergird them and let your love and your angels encamp all around about them. In Jesus' name, Lord, let someone walk in your love. Let someone walk, Lord, in that communion, the sweet purity of the Holy Ghost today. Let someone's name be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And so true of the words of Adam Schiff when giving final remarks in the Donald Trump impeachment inquiry. He said, right matters. Truth matters. And without truth, we're lost. And today we're going to be delving into a very important topic that is entitled the truth about love, the truth about love. And I can remember a song by a famous R&B artist, Music Soulchild. He wrote a song that was simply called Love. And within the lyrics of that song, he said, Love, so many people, they speak your name in vain. Love, those who have faith in you sometimes go astray. Many days I've longed for you, wanting you, hoping for the chance to get to know you, longing for your kiss, for your touch, for your essence. Many nights I cried from the things you do. Felt like I could die from the thought of losing you. I know that you are real, with no doubt or no questions. Love, yes, so many people, 
they speak your name in vain. And as he began to sing the lyrics of that song, I began to think, just like the lyrics of that song, most people in the world have a very diverse yet aggregated interpretation about what love is. Yes, music soul child is right. Many people do speak love's name in vain. Yeah, he's right. Some who have faith in love, they do go astray. Yes, many are longing for love. They want love. They're longing for love's kiss and touch. And yes, so many are experiencing hurt from what they thought love did to them and in their lives. And today, during this Truth Matters podcast, we're going to examine the topic of love and prayerfully unravel confusion that our world has about love so we can see clearly what love is and allow love to manifest itself boldly and profoundly in the lives of those who are listening and those in the world. See, one of the words that we use so freely in the world today is love. I I remember out of all the years I was dating and all the people that I've known and interacted with in the world, people say, oh, I love you so easily. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. We say that so easy. It just rolls off our tongue. But when you you hear people, they use love as a verb sometime, right? They say, say things like, oh, I just love that dress or suit that you're wearing today. They say things like, I just love your home. I love your voice. Ooh, I love your hairstyle. Ooh, out of all the cities in the world, I love Paris. I love going to Jamaica. I love being in the military. And they're listening to music and they say, Ooh, I just love that song. When I go out and eat, I love that restaurant. I just love shopping in that store. And I'm watching movies. I love me some Denzel Washington. Oh, I love me some Barack Obama. I love me some church. I love me some Trump. I just love playing sports. And the list goes on and on and on into infinitum. See, there is a specific genre in our world that's entitled love. If you just go something like Google or if you go to iTunes and you search for music, there is a category that's called love songs. There is a section for reading novels called love stories. So it is with movies. They have love dramas. And today there are even categories in our social sciences such as love psychology, sexual love making, There are professional love coaches and love academies today. And after years of pastoring and counseling and conducting marriage seminars all over the world, I've seen so much confusion and misappropriation of the term and the principle of love. And I'm sure you have too. And today in this Truth Matters podcast, to develop our footing and properly unpack this topic, it is so crucial that we see love in all of its dimensions and its breadth. See, we can't achieve that at all without finding out, or better, who love is. 
Now let's start our investigation today in this Truth Matters podcast. See, the Bible has a great deal to say about love. In fact, the Bible says that love is also a noun. Love is of God and God is love. When you read 1 John 4 and 7, in other words, love is a fundamental characteristic of who God is. I want you to pay attention here. It's very important that you understand that everything God does is impelled and it's influenced by his love. Say that again, Pastor Adams. Everything God does is impelled and it's influenced by his love. Yes, we have trials. We experience loss in life. We experience death and devastation. And there are setbacks. And we say, God, you must be upset with me. Or or you must not be really good. Or you must not be faithful to let everything happen in my life the way it has. But remember, everything God does is initiated from his nature of love. Listen, there are four words that are translated love in scripture. And the first that we're going to discuss is storge. Storge is defined as familial love. It refers to the natural or instinctual affection, such as the love for a parent towards an offspring and vice versa. And the second word translated love in scripture is the word filio. Now, philia refers to brotherly love, and it is most often exhibited in a close friendship that you might have, such as best friends will display this generous and affectionate love for each other as each one seeks to make the other happy. That is how philia is defined. And the third one is the word eros. See, eros is a concept that found its genesis in ancient Greek philosophy, referring to sensual or passionate love, from which the term erotic is derived. See, it's important to note that God has ordained that each of these dimensions of love are fundamental in the plan and the destiny that he has for mankind. Don't forget that. All of them are fundamental. Storge, and it's important as birth, in the imperative structure of the health and stability manifested in the indispensable pillar of the family, which comprises the church. Philia was manifested and is decisive in our societal interactions and our cultural tolerances. Storge and Philia can only function optimally when they are bolstered and energized by our fourth and most important component of love. See, the term eros, or sexual erotic love, is the aspect of love that is most often abused and misapplied in the world. You see, this eros is used to explain how we feel about a person that we're attracted to too often. We make statements like, I want to make love with you. Or we make, there's a song out there that says, I feel like making love with you. You see, with arrows, our senses and our libido are actively dominant in our actions and they really govern and energize our words and behavior surrounding erotica. Just look at the surge of sexual harassment 
and abuse resulting in unbridled eros. It's somewhat the birth of the new Me Too movement that's taking place in the world. Why is it so prevalent that men date and get involved with women and vice versa, primarily for physical or sexual appeal? An erotic prowess being demonstrated. You see, God, he does have a place for eros. But remember, eros, just like storge and just like filio, it only operates and it functions in God's divine plan for mankind if it is governed by the fourth principle in the fourth presentation of love that we're going to be sharing in a few moments. You see, it's very important that when people use lawyers like, I want to make love with you, see, and I want to date you, I want to be involved with you. See, Eros, you got to understand it doesn't come with commitment. And it doesn't come with boundaries or moral parameters. What is it then? It is a satisfying of a sexual appetite, first, foremost, and that's just the end of that topic. Eros without divine or principled parameters is like a wildfire in a raging wind. You know what I'm talking about. It will operate on the fuel of testosterone and estrogen and also being amplified by situation ethics and cultural norms that are so prevalent in the world today. See, scripture says all of a man's days is for his physical desires or for his belly, yet he is never filled. Does that sound sort of like you? Yes, Eros does use love's name in vain. Yep, Eros does make commitments go astray. Eros makes you feel hurt and pain. It makes you cry from the thought of losing it, doesn't it? Eros is what makes you attracted to a member of your own sex. It's Eros that makes you creep and sleep with someone who is not your wife or your husband. Yeah, it's Eros. It's what makes and has fueled what is called the billion dollar industry called pornography. Eros is the culprit of a well-financed and perverse LGBTQ agenda in the world today. Eros is the contributor of there being 70% of single-family homes that now exist within the African-American community. And the list goes on, and it goes on and on. See, God, God answers that ministry, reveals the Bible, gives many examples of love. It reveals the caring provision of Boaz for Ruth, the deep filial friendship of David and Jonathan, the poetic, passionate Eros love of Solomon and the Shulamite. See the enduring commitment of Hosea to Gomer and the storge fatherly love of Paul that he had for Timothy and John for the church. And of course, the sacrificial saving love of Christ for the elect. And that brings us to the fourth and the most important aspect of love, which is agape, which is defined as the God kind of love, the benevolent, selfless love that God shows. It's mentioned often in the New Testament, including in the love chapter. What's the love chapter? It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Within that chapter, there's love's characteristics are listed. It tells us that love is patient and it's kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't even boast. The agape love, it does, it does not dishonor others. 
The agape love is not proud or self-seeking. Agape love is not easily angered, and it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Agape love doesn't delight in evil. Rather, agape love rejoices with the truth. Agape love always protects, it trusts, it hopes, and it perseveres. Agape love never fails. Of all the greatest gifts, faith, hope, and love, the greatest is agape love, according to verse 13. And I'm going to say in our listening audience today, when discerning if you are really operating correctly in store, J, or in filio, or in eros, evaluate, evaluate yourself and others by the criteria that I just mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 8. How do you find out? Well, ask yourself these questions. Do you interact with family, friends by the criteria of 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 8? That way I'll know if I'm operating properly in storge. How about partners and spouses? Do I consult and do I evaluate myself based upon 1 Corinthians 13? See, the true compass directing us in victorious living is walking in love. You see, if I'm walking in love, I won't boast. I won't be envious. I won't keep records of wrongs. I won't be proud or selfish or hang on to lies and deceptions. See, God's love is best seen in the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf, according to 1 John 4 and 9. And God's love does not require us to be worthy to receive it. His love is truly benevolent and gracious. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet and still sinners, Christ died for us, according to Romans 5 and 8. See, the Bible says that since true agape love is part of God's nature, God is the source of love. He is the initiator of loving relationships with us. Any love that we have for God is simply a response to his sacrificial love that he has for us. This is love, not that God, that we loved God, but that he loved us first. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, according to 1 John 4 and 10. See, our human understanding of love is flawed. It's weak and it's incomplete. But the more we look at Jesus, the better we can understand and embrace what true love really is. The Bible says that God's love for us in Christ resulted in our being brought into his family. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are, according to 1 John 3 and 1. Just as the father in the parable showed love to his prodigal son in Luke 15 and 11. So our father, our heavenly father, he receives us with joy when we come to him in faith. He makes us accepted in the beloved, according to Ephesians 1 and 6. See, the Bible says that we are to love others the same way that Christ loves us. We are to love the family of God, according to 1 Peter 2 and 17. We are to love our enemies. That is, we are to actively seek what is best for them, according to Matthew 5 and 44. Listen to what the Bible says here. It says, husbands, 
you are to love your wives as Christ loved the church, according to Ephesians 5 and 25. As we show benevolent, selfless love, we reflect God's love to the lost and dying world. We love because he first loved us. The Bible says that our love for God is related to our obedience to him. What did you say, Pastor Adams? The Bible says that our love for God has a relation to our obedience of him. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous or burdensome according to 1 John 5 and 3. See, we serve God out of a love for him and God's love for us enables us to obey him freely without the burden of guilt or the fear of punishment. See, one thing that's so important is there is a good place for us to really pause and reflect for a moment. And I have a question for those in our listening audience. Do you violate God's commands? Do you violate God's will? And if you're honest, you'll say yes. But here's the main question. Do you violate God's wills and commands, but yet still testify that you love our Lord? See, God is telling us something very important to examine and test ourselves by. And what he's telling us is, you only know if you love him by if you deny yourself and resist temptation. Why? Because when you do that, you demonstrate that you love him the most, more than yourself, more than your lust more than your gratification, more than your self-appeasement, more than your pride, more than your ego, more than your esteem. See, part of understanding the love of God is knowing that God's judgment fell on Jesus at Calvary so we can be spared from what Jesus described himself as the Savior. Listen to what he said. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him in John 3, 17, See, the very next verse reminds us that the only person who must fear judgment is the one who rejects Jesus Christ. Yes, we do need to love, do need a love coach, and his name is Jesus. Yes, we do need a love counselor, and his name is Jesus. We do need a marriage counselor, his name is Jesus. We do need help with our adultery, and it's Jesus. We do need help with our fornication and lust. We need help with our selfishness, it's Jesus. We do need help and deliverance from jealousy and backbiting and ego, pride and betrayal and lying and sexual and drug addiction. It's all in Jesus. So let's stop walking in deception today. Let's stop walking in insecurity and fear of our flesh. See, those who are listening to this podcast, yes, you've been searching for love. But you've been searching for love in all the wrong places. It's not in alcohol. It's not in drugs. It's not in sex. It's not in materialism. It's not in clothes or money or education and earthly relationships, fame and having social status. Here's how you receive love. It is simply by accepting the love gift of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish 
but have everlasting life. Hear me today. We as poor, famished, dirty, starving and homeless beggars must only extend our heart and hand and receive a free gift of freedom, peace, joy, fulfillment, and eternal life from the hand of our King. Now this is the truth about love. Praise the Lord.